From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Wednesday, January 11th. The U.S. government will pay $18.5 million for uranium from a mill in White Mesa, Utah. As KZMU's Emily Arnson reports, the Department of Energy awarded the mill's owners Energy Fuels, Inc. with a purchase contract in December. Curtis Moore is the company's vice president of marketing. He says their plans to sell 300,000 pounds of uranium to the federal government as part of a larger initiative to create a domestic uranium reserve. Right now, the United States is very, very dependent on Russia for our uranium and nuclear fuel. You know, nuclear provides about 20% of all electricity in the United States right now. And so this purchase of uranium by the U.S. government, by the Biden administration, is just, again, a very small step toward trying to move away from Russia, trying to move toward lower carbon sources of electricity. In 2021, the Environmental Protection Agency issued a warning to energy fuels for improperly storing radioactive waste. Members of the Ute Mountain Ute tribe who live near the mill believe hazardous byproducts cause environmental damage and health problems in their community. Some worry that the federal government's recent uranium initiative could exacerbate these problems if activity increases. But for now, Moore says operations at the White Mesa Mill will remain the same. You know, it's not like we're going to fire up a mine to you know, replace this material or anything like that, but it certainly helps keep that facility open and moving forward and doing all these great things it's capable of doing. For KZMU News, I'm Emily Ernson. Sentencing in the largest body brokering case in the nation took place last week in U.S. District Court. Hundreds of families were impacted by Sunset Mesa Funeral Home in Montrose, Colorado. There was even a Moab resident who claims their late mother's body was sold by the funeral home and that they received powdered concrete instead of remains. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KVNF's Lisa Young has the details. Megan Hess and Shirley Koch were sentenced to 20 years and 15 years, respectively, for mail fraud in connection with a body brokering scheme at their Montrose funeral home. It was just um, surreal when the judge said 20 years. That's State Representative Matt Soper, who was in the Grand Junction courtroom. The case against the mother-daughter team began when the FBI raided the funeral home and donor services in Montrose in 2018. Following a lengthy investigation, Hess and Koch were indicted in 2020 and pled guilty to a single count of mail fraud two years later. Hess twice attempted to postpone the sentencing, but on January 3rd, after hours of victim impact statements, Remarks from the FBI and the prosecution, the sentence was handed down. For the victim, today was a sense of closure. They get to start the new year, hopefully at peace, knowing we've changed the law in Colorado. We saw the perpetrators receive um, the highest penalty under federal law, and now we can move forward. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio and KBNF, I'm Lisa Young. Many Utah hospitals are struggling to find enough nurses to cover shifts, but Moab Regional has been able to expand its services. Sean Higgins with our partners at KWR reports. The nursing profession has already seen a drop due to baby boomers aging out of the workforce. Andrew Neidegger is president of the Utah Nurses Association. The problem now, he says, is younger workers that were in line to replace them are leaving too. COVID hit 
and we're losing the early and middle generations of nurses now too because they're burned out. If we lose a certain percentage of nursing nurses, at some point you're going to walk into an ER and there's not going to be someone to take care of you, which is a scary thought. But Moab Regional Hospital has recently extended their urgent care hours. The clinic now opens at 10 a.m. seven days a week. CEO Jennifer Sadoff says they are in a unique situation. I don't know if we're just lucky because people have, you know, an interest in living in Moab, but we've been able to attract and retain nurses from outside of the community to Moab. But Sadoff says keeping employees long term can be tough due to housing shortages. And on a statewide level, Nadiger says stagnant wages and increasing workloads have also forced people out of the profession. Sean Higgins, KUER News. That report is from our partners at KUER. A caricature sign depicting a Native American man at a Durango, Colorado art gallery has been controversial for decades. Recent efforts to have it removed seem to have hit a dead end. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Clark Adamitis explores a range of opinions among Native American people about the sign some call the Durango Chief. The sign stands tall in the center of downtown Durango, just off of Main Street. A depiction of a smiling man with brown skin wearing jeans and a feather in his hair waves to passers-by. The 20-foot caricature is mounted on top of the Toatan Gallery customer parking sign. It's a sign. It's been a big part of Durango for a long time. Sitting inside the gallery with owner Jackson Clark, he looks out at the chief. It's on private property. It's not bothering the artists that we work with, clients that come in here like it. Jackson Clark is white. He purchased the statue in the 1980s at an auction for $300. Recently, he's received plenty of criticism for it. There's even some red paint visible on it. There was some vandalism that occurred. In fact, you can still see there's paint on it, and it, it needs to be repainted. But for many Native people and for people who are concerned about Indigenous representation, the sign is offensive. I thought to myself, is this real? Is this, why is this here? When writer Kirby Bennett relocated to Durango from the Navajo Nation, the sign caught him by surprise. Moving here to Durango, there was this inviting atmosphere. And then I encountered that statue, and that, to me that was like a little reminder that this, this area isn't as progressive as I made it out to be. Bennett wrote an essay in 2020 voicing concern about the sign. And that year, many indigenous community members called for its removal. There were demonstrations, petitions circulated, and the city of Durango formed a working group to address concerns about the sign. I think it was 2020, the Indigenous Peoples Day, when they had a march. Jen Olgeen is a Southern Ute woman. In Durango, I participated in that, and we had signs uh, featuring, like, missing and murdered Indigenous women and relatives. Uh, so we had marched down Maine and stopped at the uh, Toatin statue. You know, there was a, a palpable wave and outcry against the statue. Kirby Bennett says the sign was out of touch with contemporary ideas about depictions of Native Americans. It really is a signifier of, of white nationalism. It'll be, it'll be a game changer if, it, if it's ever removed. Even when the sign was posted outside of the chief diner from the 1950s to the 1980s, it upset some Native Americans. The big nose and uh, just that goofy-looking face, waving his hand, making uh, Native people look like they're stupid and foolish. That's Arthur Niskahi, a Navajo man who lives in Cortez. He was a student at Fort Lewis College when he demonstrated outside the diner in the 1970s. I think it's a racist, a racist uh, image, just symbolic of dehumanizing uh, us Native American people. Not a very good uh, way to portray us. 
But Nascahi remembers a time in his youth where his father felt welcome at the diner, perhaps due to the chief. My father, uh, he liked going there. And so as a kid, I went in there with him. He felt comfortable going in there. And, you know, maybe they felt that it was a welcoming thing or something. And some Native people did feel this way about the chief and the chief diner. Pearl Casillas, former chairman of the Southern Ute tribe, saw the statue as welcoming to Native people. Seeing the chief there was, uh, for a little kid and a, and a young uh, teenager, it, it impressed me because a chief diner was part of our, you know, representing us as uh, indigenous and uh, part of the community. Casillas grew up in Ignacio on the Southern Ute Reservation. As a child, she remembers eating at the chief with her family. And when the diner went out of business, she was glad the sign found a new home in town. Oh, that was nice. You know, they didn't get rid of the chief. He's still an integral part of Durango because, to me, he was my history. As, as an individual tribal member, you know, he represented who we were. And uh, it felt really nice, you know, to have him closer in town. Even after Jackson Clark attended community meetings and heard from those who were offended by the sign, he says he still won't remove it. You know, I'm stubborn enough that I've lived in Durango my whole life and I just have no interest in taking it down. And so for now, critics like Arthur Niskahi will just have to look the other way. Niskahi is used to that. It's just one of the long lists of things that we have to put up with. You know, there's everything from all the mascots and all types of imagery that are a pain in the rib and the side, but uh, we just um, have to put up with it. Two petitions circulated in 2020. Around 8,000 people signed the petition to take down the chief. About 5,000 people signed the one to save it. I'm Clark Adamitis. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, January 11th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.